Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm your host, John Bishop. This week, it's basketball heavy. It's been a pretty light week, actually, with the women's basketball team having the week off. But certainly, it was a week where the Blue Jay men took one on the chin at UConn, losing 62-48. to That drops the Jays really closer to the mid-pack of the Big East Conference standings. And with a huge game on Saturday against Seton Hall, the Blue Jays really, if they want to entertain hopes of finishing in the top half, certainly the top two or three of the Big East, this game in Newark feels a little bit like a must win with Seton Hall off to a 6-1 and one start. And of course, UConn, the number one team in the country, having beaten the Jays to improve to 6-1. and one. Josh Peterson and Connor Happer are going to have more of a breakdown of basketball coming up a little bit later on, but we thought we would let you first hear from Stephen Ashworth and Greg McDermott after the loss on Wednesday night to get a perspective of what went wrong and what needs to be done as the Jays try to regroup and find a win in Newark on Saturday, 11 a.m. start time, Omaha time on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. So without any further ado, here's my chat post-game with both Stephen Ashworth and head coach Greg McDermott. Stephen, we knew going into this one that they were really good on the offensive glass, but were they even better than maybe what the film showed you? Tough question. I mean, yeah, they uh, the the stats don't lie, and uh, you know they had a mentality about themselves tonight that they were gonna, you know, go after it. And I think at times, you know, we've been the benefactor of teams maybe not crashing as hard because of our, you know, lethal transition offense. But they were they were sticking to it, and we got to be more physical. We got to be more hungry for those rebounds, and we got to win those balls. What was the biggest issue in your estimation on the offensive end? They were really pressing out on anybody who had the ball, and you guys couldn't really operate with much in space. Plus, they would hedge out and then recover. You couldn't get good passing lanes tonight to Big Ryan. Yeah, you know, they did a really good job of hedging those ball screens and kind of getting Trey, myself, or Baylor out of out of our operating areas, and that's kind of where we got to be better. You know, we've got to use our, um, you know, use the fundamentals. We've got to be able to pass and catch and cut and just do it a little bit more discipline, you know, every possession because you can't take a possession off. You see it that when you do, when you make a lazy cut or a lazy pass, it's it's two points the other way, and they're, you know, a very lethal transition offensive team. And, you know, the coaching staff hit it right on the head with all of the things that we prepped for this week. And so, you know, it's disappointing to come in here and not execute the way that we planned for because they had a great plan in place and, um, you know, it didn't quite go our way tonight. Turnovers were a little up today from the previous couple of games, 14 turnovers tonight. How much do you think that factored into the loss? Yeah, you know, it definitely factors into it, especially when you're giving them, you know, transition buckets against, you know, I think it was 15-4 to four and, yeah. you know, points off turnovers. And so 
you know, it's it's essential for us to take care of the ball because then it also helps our defense get set. You know, whether we get a, a, a make or just even a shot, you know, we can guarantee that we'll get back in transition and, and guard them in the half court. And then, you know, and then that's another whole, you know, another task in and of itself. And, you know, that's why they're they're where they're at, you know. And so, you know, we got to go back, watch the game film and see what we can improve on moving forward. And this road trip continues. The other first-place team is coming up next. What's the biggest thing you think this squad needs to do now to flush this one and get ready for a quick prep, a short turnaround, and playing a very good Seton Hall team? Yeah, you know, I think all of us have to trust our training. You know, we've put hours and hours into our craft, and we got to play with that swagger, that confidence that, that we should. And, um, you know, and we got to learn from it, but then flush it. You know, there's, there's things that happen tonight that are a little uncharacteristic of of us and and we got to make sure that coming into the next game that that we're locked in that we have the confidence that um you know we're a really really good basketball team and when we play the right way when we you know are physical um and and a little bit more demanding i think that it's going to be you know a, a good thing for us and so moving forward just just finding those oppor- opportunities to fix those things because they're all fixable you know when you look at it do you take any solace in the fact that on your initial defense, you were good tonight. I mean, you held this team to under 40% from the field and under 30% from three. This has been a really hot shooting offensive team as of late. Do you take any solace from that, at least as a good takeaway from this game? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at that, um, you know, positively. That I think we made them miss, you know, 45 shots, um, which is really good initial defense, but horrendous when it comes to second chances and, and that's where we got to, you know, kind of look ourselves in the mirror. And we will. You know, I'm confident in this this group. We've got a senior group. We've got a great group of leaders in there. And, you know, we know what we need to do to uh, to get better. And, you know, we have aspirations and goals as a team. And, you know, we know what it takes. And so now we just got to go out and look ourselves in the mirror and, and fix those things. Well, Stephen, you only went two of eight tonight. But I swear five of those misses were practically down. You're going yeah. to have – this team is due – to just have one of those games where it's going to fall. And yeah. when it does, someone's going to suffer. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we're confident. We, we Every single huddle, you know, I feel like it's been a few games now, which is unfortunate, but we're just telling each other, hey, the ball's going to fall. You know, keep shooting it, keep shooting it with confidence, and um, don't turn down shots. That's the last thing you want to do as a team and as, as a shooter especially. Can't be turning down shots. And so, you know, I think we've got a, a good group of just confident guys, and, you know, I'm, I'm confident that those shots are going to fall. And, and then once we get it rolling, I think that it's going to stay rolling, you know, through for a really long time. Steven, appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a Steven good night. Steven Ashworth with a team high of 14 points tonight. We talked about it before the game, how good this team was on the offensive glass. And that really was the difference in the game. I mean, literally all of the gap, the margin between the rebounds was all offensive. Yeah, and, you know, we could make a shot either. Uh uh, you know, defensively, we easily played well enough to win, uh, especially in this building with the environment that there was tonight. It was it was incredible. It was next level environment. Um, but uh, you know, our our first shot defense is really good, and I got to look at the film. And we lost a lot of one on one battles, and it wasn't just one guy. You know, they had five guys get two or more offensive rebounds, and um, that was certainly our focus coming into the game. How much was the hard hedging? really a big factor in us not being able not not only the ability to hedge but then to recover because ryan tonight just four of five we did not have many looks for him yeah i mean really trey was the only one they uh they went after and uh 
you know, we didn't get it out of there probably quick enough some and make that extra pass. And then, you know, the times we got it to Kalk, he, he probably needed to make a little quicker move because uh, they came with a double team as, as we anticipated. Uh, but, you know, I'd, I, I've got to watch the film, I, especially the first half. I thought we had some decent shots uh, that we didn't make and a couple to start the second half of well when we, as well when we had a chance to cut into it. But uh, we lost to a really, really good team. And if, 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 we want to, uh, uh, if we want to be in the same conversation with a team like that, we've got some work to do. If you would have said before the game that Spencer and Caravan <clears throat> would be just, what, two for seven combined from three, I would have said – that's, that's the plan that works because those are the guys you didn't want shooting it, and they didn't get many chances to shoot. Yeah, like I said, defensively the, the plan was good, and, and it was executed well. Uh, you know, we got the right guys off the line, and uh, we just we couldn't rebound. And, uh, you know, it's a couple games on the road, Marquette and this one, and obviously this is a physical, physically gifted athletic team uh, that, that really chases it on the glass. And, uh, you know, we, we've just got to go back watch the film learn from it and uh we don't have much time to sulk because we got an important one saturday at noon how much do you think the turnovers factored in tonight we had 14 and there was a stretch there when we weren't scoring at the end of the first half where they started to pile up there there was a few live ball ones that really hurt us some of the other ones we were able to set our defense but uh you know a couple of them were disheartening because you know it's just we we got the ball just taken from us you know and, and not being strong enough or tough enough to to execute a pass or uh you know get throw the ball to the post when you're supposed to throw it to the post those are things that um you know we've got to improve and become better at how much did it surprise you to see Klingon play the 15 minutes he did especially in the first half it felt like he had more of an imprint than on the second yeah i mean he's going to have an imprint just because of his presence at the rim you know whether whether he blocks the shot or not there's just shots you won't take because he's there uh and he's that good at the rim you know it calks incredible at the rim and he was again tonight but Klingon certainly uh, uh equally as good when he's back there and uh yeah i'm glad he's back i'm glad he's healthy he's a heck of a player uh, and like i said they've got a they've got an incredible basketball team we got a practice tomorrow it's a short turnaround for seton hall what's going to be some of the th- biggest things you want to work on between now and saturday well we've got a lot of film to watch uh and you know to get ready for for seton hall but uh you know, we got to get our minds right. We got to, you know, we're, we're we're lacking a little swagger on the offensive end of the floor, um, and, and we need that back. You know, this is a team that's built on shot making, and um, we're not making many shots right now. Thanks, Mac. Appreciate Thank you. It. We'll get more of a breakdown on that game and what the Jays need to do moving forward. Coming up next, as Connor Happer and Josh Peterson join me on the sixteen twenty the Jays podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back. More of the 1620 The Jays podcast this week. Well, we sort of always targeted this week. Connor Happer, Josh Peterson with you for another catch up on basketball. We're starting to get some other sports firing up now. Tennis is coming back, so we'll be sort of branching out over the next few weeks until the end of the semester. Um, but we are we are basketball focused here. We'll start with the men's squad who I think since we last talked, we talked around the new year, Josh. Is that right? I believe so. Yep. Um, and so they lost their those first two conference games, obviously, against Villanova. And Marquette, and then ripped out four in a row all the way until this week, where they ran into um, a buzzsaw, I guess, Ooh. against UConn. And we'll start there. Um, I mean, it's they still have some things that they have to figure out, obviously, but it's it's a little bit difficult to um, really judge this team completely, you know, one to one against the best team in the country. I think UConn's the best team in the country. Um, and you're going on the road. They had clearly put everything into that game just in terms of yeah. fan engagement. And it was $2 beer night. And it was absolutely raucous in there. Creighton couldn't do anything on offense. So there's some stuff in there that we, we're going to pick out here. But I want people to, you know, I want to remind people also at the same time, it was against UConn. And that's a, that's a bit of a, Matchup problem. Yeah, you know, I think, it, and I've had this this takeaway for this team going back to I don't know, probably November, and I know that I have verbalized it on my show, and and I think I have on here that I just I don't think that they are maybe what the preseason expectation was, or certainly like the preseason hope was uh, around the team, whether it's media or fans. And so, like on one hand, I'm with you, like yeah, it was UConn, it's the number one team, like what do you expect? But I know that there are some Jays fans listening, like I expected us to be in this spot. Yeah. Um, I, I thought there was a tweet and I, I shared it on my radio show um, on Thursday's edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Um, Jacob Padilla, who, who has joined our shows, obviously, many, many times. But he had a, a stat, a tweet during the game on Wednesday night. He says at the 655 mark of the first half, Creighton trailed 23 to 19. At the 715 mark of the second half, Creighton trailed 52 to 30. So that's almost 20 minutes of action. They scored 11 points, as he pointed out, three of 24 from the field. Only one made three out of 12 attempts, four of four from the free throw line and nine turnovers. Like it was just, you, you know, you watch you watch these basketball games sometimes and you, you keep you almost like scratch your eyes. Like, am I seeing this score right? So much time has passed and the other team hasn't really even added to their lead, yeah. in, you know, to a way in which I would expect. But but the team that is really struggling on offense um, that is showing itself. And I thought that that was just, I mean, it's just a slow death, right? To the end of the first half where by the time that the second half started, I was like, I mean, they have to come out very strong or otherwise this thing is over. And, and obviously it ended up being a game that they lost. Well, I, and the, I think to your point, they've done a pretty decent job on defense and that's, yeah. it's actually sort of surprising. I mean, I, obviously their efficiency numbers are pretty good. They're actually six in the country right now in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is, Amazing considering the personnel that they have. I mean, it's just 
it's anchored by one guy. So they we, we always do that they sort of have that formula. It's they're gonna funnel down everything into into Cockbrenner and make them, you know, every shot at the rim is gonna be contested. And then they're gonna run people off the three point line. They've done that. So what happens now is the book is the book is out and you can take and make two pointers. You could take and make mid range jumpers against Creighton, which teams are now obviously throwing into their game plan. We saw earlier in the year with Iowa, they did a good job of it. And Creighton's Creighton's combat to that was a math equation, right? To make three pointers. So right now they're not making them. Um, And, and, they're not getting them either, and that's that was what we saw last night. A Creighton got hounded last night by by UConn. Just they didn't get any good shots. Got really no good looks, and and made very few of them. Obviously, so maybe there's an evaluation. I think we talked about this last time we talked, but there's an evaluation of just sort of when they're flowing and when they're not on offense. And I think they're really good still in transition and really dangerous in transition. But but for some reason right now they just can't get there, um, yeah. you know. And and UConn defensively did a really good job of getting back and getting set. So, you know, maybe it's just a lull. You're in the middle of the season and it, it, you're you have some tough going offensively. But I still don't think we we have a good idea of exactly sort of you know the the hierarchy of what they want to be on offense. And we obviously know the three guys. Um, and then. You know they 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 have a pretty short bench as well. So there's some stuff that 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 obviously is going to have to be tweaked and fixed as we head into the back half. We're basically almost exactly at the halfway mark right now. We're a little past it. Um, so that was a good litmus test. You know, Max said it last. Uh, you know, on, on on Wednesday he said, "Hey, if if we want to beat a team like that, I'm paraphrasing, but if we if we want to be like a team like that, we got to be." A lot better, and so that's where Creighton's at right now. Um, there's no shame in that, you know. I don't, I don't think, but they are four and three in the league, and the league is tough, and you're going to have to win some road games here. So it's 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 a tricky spot right now that they're in. Yeah, and, and obviously we're going to talk about the women's team in, in a few minutes. But one of the things that I can't help but notice is just like they they could use at this moment in time, or or maybe in the next week or two, kind of like what the scheduling gods delivered to to the women's team. So the women's team played on Sunday the 14th. They're not playing again until the 21st, so they're a week off. And like they did have the Christmas break, but everyone has the Christmas break, right? So I was just scrolling through their schedule trying to find, okay, so when do they have that week off period? I mean, it's literally at the end of the year. They play on the 2nd of March and then the 9th of March. And so, wow. what? yeah, so like they, they, there's not going to be this reprieve of, oh, you know, just got to get to February 1st. And then they got a week off or 10 days, you know, because that, that often will happen. And so they're they're going to have to just deal with this. They're going to have to to keep finding a way to to fight through this as they continue to to play a lot of these um, really good teams uh, in in the Big East Conference throughout the rest of the year. The UConn will come to Omaha about a month from now on the twentieth of February. Um, I know that there will be a lot of excitement for for that one, but yeah, they're going to have to to. I don't know, just find some consistency because I think you're right about them. You know, certainly their transition offense. It's just, it's it's funny, man. There's just something, again, something's just a little off right now. It's just, you know, kind of lining up all the levers as to where you you need them. And, and you know, I, I think that their conference record ultimately, I think it's probably what it should be given, you know, what happened maybe against UConn and Marquette to finish up 2023, but also that they held on against St. John's. I feel like this is probably their record. 
um, or probably should be their record. And, and so I guess I'm curious to see what happens next because they have another road game this weekend against Seton Hall. Of course, you can hear that on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg, an early game on, on Saturday. So it's like, you know, good luck. <laughs> the schedule doesn't do you any favors moving forward. Uh, quickly, I, I do have – so you you said sort of what's – something's off. Yeah. Um, my my theory is, and I think this has been – you know, I, I've noticed this definitely in the St. John's game and then, and then in the UConn game. It just – and I can't, I guess, pinpoint why, but they, they seem to me as offensively in – um, not confident as the, as as I've seen them in a long time. I, yes. I, I don't I don't think that I've seen a Creighton team be not confident on offense. Meaning, I see them passing up good looks early in the shot clock to you know theoretically get something better, um, and then it doesn't end up being better. They either ended up dribbling it into some crap and turning it over, or getting a worse shot entirely. And maybe that's a directive. Maybe that's a maybe that's saying, "Hey, we need a slow tempo," and because our defense is good. Like I, I don't know what that is, but like I said before, it's probably worth a bit of an evaluation at this point because their offensive ceiling is much, 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 much higher than it is right now, and they're just they're they're just not taking good looks, yep. shots that Creighton teams always take and usually make. They're just they don't. And this is across the board. Nobody's bothering to take them right now. Maybe with the exception of Ashworth, who seems like their guy who kind of wants to wants to get them out of these slumps. Yeah. But I, I just I don't see a confidence in an edge right now with this team for good reason. They're, they're a little wonky, but I, I just I it's it's sort of jarring to see. I think that's a I think that's a really good way to describe it. Um, you know, I, I have no notes. I, I think that that's a yeah. perfect way to describe what's going on right now. Yeah, so that's that's something to watch as we uh, head into the latter part of January. Seton Hall on Saturday. You can hear it on 1620 The Zone. And then two homers next week. Xavier and DePaul, the pink out game on Saturday, January 27th. Um, should be a lot of fun for that one. Always is every single year. Okay, on to the women's side. Yeah. Josh, as uh, last time we talked was after the, after the UConn game, three cents. You mentioned it. They had a nice little gap in their schedule um, and they have been blessed by the by the scheduling gods a little bit as well the Paul Butler and Providence uh, all bottom tier teams in the league at this point they've taken down during that period of time and things tick up a little bit you know Villanova on the road this weekend they're they're five and one in the league as we currently stand UConn obviously tops in the league um, what do you what have you seen over the last couple of weeks from the women since that 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 bludgeoning at home against UConn. Yeah, I mean, first of all, to get to get Butler and to and to beat them by thirty six points, uh, Jim Flannery said it after the game. I had a chance to talk to him because uh, I, I was on the call for the Providence game. Like that was one of the most complete performances that he's ever seen from his team. Like they were dominating in that eighty nine to fifty three win. And so you wonder, okay, how, how are they going to come off of that one? And last week's guest on the pod, one of the guests on the pod was Emma Ronsick, and I had a chance to talk to her. And one of the things that, that we spoke about was efficiency. And man, she just continues her efficient play. This year, uh, 22 points in that most recent game. She did it on over 50% from the floor. She went over four from three, but man, like I, I continue to be blown away by like how few threes she's attempting because she just knows she doesn't need to. And uh, there were a couple of different times in this one 
um, where it's like, you know, what's what's the offense going to do? Providence got off to a very good start. They were leading at the end of the first quarter, 20 to 16. And Creighton just went on an awesome run in the second quarter. They outscored them by 15 points in that one. And it was just a lot of, well, let's get down low. Let's make some shots down low. They didn't shoot particularly well from three. They went nine of 26. So uh, just I think the takeaway I always have with them is like when they're clicking, it, it just it's so it's such beautiful basketball. And yeah. it's like so obvious that like the core of this program has been playing together for years and years. Like there's a part of me not to look too far ahead, Hap, but it's just like, what is this going to mean for next year when all of these players are not together anymore because a lot of them are seniors? Uh, but for now, I just I continue to enjoy it. Um, you mentioned the break that, that, that they're on right now. They'll play uh, again this Sunday, and so they'll have that full week off. Then they'll have a couple of road games at Villanova and at Georgetown before they return home for a couple more uh, home games in a row as well to finish up the month of January. So, uh, I, I, you know, we, we talked after that UConn game. And, and one of the things that we explored was the idea of like UConn comes into town. It would mean the best win of all time in the regular season for this program, a, a program now that's made it to the elite eight. And, and I had a chance to ask Flan about that last week as well. And, and it sounds like there's something to it. Just like yeah. kind of the surprise of, wow, how did this game get away from us um, in this way? So shout out to them, props to them. They, they did what everyone thought or hoped that they would do. And that's, come out and pick up wins afterwards. They, they go to DePaul, they get a win, they destroy Butler, and then they play, you know, pr- you know, pretty well in that, that Providence win. And so now they'll go back on the road uh, against some tough teams and, and we'll see what ultimately happens here. And you want to talk about confidence too, to, to just tie it back into the men's side, like, and obviously the teams are set up a little bit differently. Um, you know, the women aren't quite as strong defensively. Yeah. So they, they kind of have to go and they have to outscore you, but Man, when they are when they are rolling and it was on full display in that Butler game, it's I mean, sh- a shot could go up less than five seconds into the shot clock. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. You know, you're like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, we'll 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 get another one back. We'll play the math game there. Ronsick, Jensen and Molly. I mean, we we knew the entire time that it was going to be those three. And it's been those three. The bench has gotten shorter and longer at various times during the season. But it's still it's still going to be those three, and and the trio is you know one of the top you know two or three in the league. So they're always going to have a chance. I you know it's it's funny because when we talk about them, like it's like okay we have this we have this moment, and it's the UConn game, and then there's you know there's a couple more teams that are that are sort of in Creighton's tier, and then everything else is sort of just expected to to take care of business. It's not much of a it's not as much of a meat grinder as it is over on the men's side. So you sort of, it's good to check in with them every once in a while because they check boxes and they check boxes and then boom, here comes this, this game where you have good quality of competition around you. And they do have one of those, you know, this weekend against Villanova and then UConn's always going to be a, you know, a big box that you want to check too. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I mean, looking at those the the big three and and Ronsick, Jensen and and Molly. Uh, I I think Morgan Molly, by the way, because I love that they have a Morgan Molly and a Molly Morgan. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, Morgan Molly, her her production, you know, she's still shooting the ball a lot, but the efficiency is just a, a little bit worse than it's been. And it's been nice to see her her teammates in, in Ronsick and Jensen kind of pick up the slack for her. And, and you know, she is a player much like a lot of the greats in, in the NBA or in, in you know, uh, in, in women's basketball, WNBA, whatever over the years, co- men's college basketball. You always hear like, just keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. 
because eventually you'll find yourself. And I, I like that about her. And I like that about this team that there hasn't been this like decrease in, in raw shot, you know, totals, like she's still putting it up and eventually it's going to swing the other way. Cause she is too good of a shooter. But for now it's been nice to see those other two pick up the slack. And, and I, I, every, every game Happer, I, I am, I'm really impressed by Lauren Jensen because I think she has such a good feel at times for, okay, things aren't going our way. Yeah. Shots aren't falling from three. I'm just going to put my head down and go to the basket. And she'll do that multiple times a game. She tried to do it against UConn, and she's done it in other games that I've been on the call for this year and other games I haven't been on the call for this year. And so I really appreciate that about her, that she is able to knock down threes, obviously, from deep. But there are some times where I think she reads the room very well, and it's like, look, a a layup, it would be nice right now. I'm just going to drive in, and I'm going to either lay it up and and make it or go to the free throw line where I'm an 86% free throw shooter. And that's what she does. Yeah, she does a really good job of controlling pace for them. I, yeah. I think you nailed it there, but like more so than controlling the pace, she has her pulse on sort of what her team needs at, at any moment in time. And yes. yeah, she she's kind of in total control out there. So that's a that's a really good thing to have. And yeah. obviously we talked about their um their experience and their age as well. Um it's it's all gonna pay dividends as we head into the latter part of the regular season. All right, so um like we said, Villanova on the road for the Jays women on Sunday. That game can be seen on the CBS Sports Network. Also heard, heard on 1180? 1180. Yep, 1180. Uh, the next couple of games, most of the games are on 1180. Uh, the UConn game was one of the rare ones on 1620. So, uh, yeah, check out the uh, the website for the schedules and, and where the games are. But, yeah, Glenn Sisk will be on the call the next two games on 1180. And then uh, I'm actually on every home game for the rest of the season, which is nice. So I'll be back on the call uh, on the 28th of January. Uh, with John Schreiner for the Seton Hall game, and then uh, back at home for the Marquette game a few days later with Rob Sims. So uh, it's basically Schreiner, Sims, and I at various points over the rest of the the season. There's only three more. I mean, uh, actually, no, there's only five more. Excuse me. There was a big gap there. Uh, (laughs) Five more home games left in the regular season, so get out there and, of course, listen to, to our guys on 1180 The Zone as well. Okay, Josh Peterson, Connor Happer, that's our basketball catch up for the week we'll do it again in a couple but like we said we'll we'll sort of start branching out to other things now as um i, I it's hard to call josh it spring sports right now when you look outside but the spring sports are going to be starting soon so that'll be happening dude it's about to be baseball season i mean it's just it's weird to think that at a, at a point soon on this podcast you'll be like i have a baseball man and he's going to talk about baseball <laughs> It's so it's snowy weird. outside, and yeah. yet baseball will be played. We're going to have to do a baseball preview within the next couple of weeks, so oh uh, look up for that coming yeah. to your podcast feed. All right, that's uh, Josh Connor here with you. We'll send it back to John on this week's edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast. The Blue Jays will be back in action Tuesday night as they return home against the Xavier Musketeers. We'll have coverage on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg beginning at 6 p.m. with the pregame show Blue Jay Shootaround. Tip-off is at 7.30. Moving ahead to next weekend, the Blue Jays annual pink-out game, the Creighton versus Cancer pink-out game, has been announced as a sellout. The DePaul Blue Demons are coming to town. That game will be a sellout, the fourth of the season, joining previous games, Iowa, Alabama, and Marquette. There will be some limited standing room only tickets available the morning of the game. They'll go on sale at the CHI Health Center box office starting Saturday at 10 a.m. 
want to remind you that the auction closes on Sunday. The auction, the annual pink out auction, where you can bid on the custom shooting shirts and the jerseys that will be worn in the game. Plus, there are also some signed balls. Greg McDermott will have his game-worn pink shoes, and there's a chance to win a round of golf with Coach Mack. Those are all up for bids right now if you visit gocrayton.com slash pinkoutauction. The bidding will start to close in shifts starting Sunday late afternoon. So if you haven't done so already, please check out gocrayton.com slash pinkoutauction and make sure you bid generously. All of the proceeds go to Hope Lodge Omaha. That's the American Cancer Society's home away from home for cancer patients and their families who have to be in Omaha for life-saving treatment. One of the issues that many cancer patients have had over the years is not having a place to stay, especially if they live far away from where their primary treatment is taking place. That's a big expense in addition to the cancer treatments themselves because you have to find housing. Sometimes you can find discounted rates at hotels, but it's still, those costs rack up tremendously for cancer patients who have to be near their hospital. So what the Hope Lodge is, it's really a built-in home away from home. It's like a hotel, but there's a common area where folks can store their food and and cook. There's uh, very spacious rooms. There's commons areas. It's really a first-class operation, and it's usually very close to the major cancer research and hospitals in those areas. In fact, Omaha's Hope Lodge, located at Uh, just down the hill from Methodist Hospital and Children's Hospital. Many patients from around the Midwest and even as far away as the coastal states will come to Omaha for their cancer treatments, whether it's at Methodist or, or perhaps at UNMC. And that Hope Lodge gives them a place to stay. So they're very close to their treatments. They've got a comfortable place to be. It's built for multiple patients. Uh, There's several rooms there. And that's where all of the proceeds of the Creighton versus Cancer Pink Out auction have gone in the past. This year, once we tally up the figures, we will cross the half million dollar mark raised in the history of the Creighton versus Cancer Pink Out auction. All of the proceeds have gone to help build and now fund this great facility. And if you would like to donate our live radio shows, the Connor Happer Show, weekdays from 10 to 2, and my show on Sportsmanlike Conduct with Josh Peterson from 2 to 6. We will both be broadcasting live the day before the Pink Out game next Friday from the Hope Lodge, where we're going to be raising funds and paper products. Uh, There's a lot of paper products that are needed, toilet paper, paper towels, sometimes cleaning supplies. But if you would like to make a donation directly to the Hope Lodge, Nebraska, visit cancer.org slash pinkout. That's cancer.org slash pinkout pink out. These are facilities that are located all across the country, and certainly while the Hope Lodge here in Nebraska usually helps the folks from out of town, it's a real generous thing because, sadly, if any of us should have a loved one or ourselves who have to undergo cancer treatments and we end up very far away from home, there are Hope Lodges in a number of other cities and states that do this exact same service. So really what we're doing is helping our neighbors and we would really love a generous donation, if you can, to the Hope Lodge. That's cancer.org slash pinkout. And again, one more reminder for the auction that closes on Sunday, this Sunday, the 21st, starting in the late afternoon, there'll be staggered times. 
You can follow those bids and make your own bids for the pink out jerseys, the basketballs, the golf outing with Mac and other items at gocrayton.com slash pink out auction. All right, let's take a quick check of where the Jays will be this weekend. We mentioned the men's basketball team will be playing 11 a.m. Omaha time at Seton Hall. We'll have coverage on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. The women's tennis team is at Wichita State. Actually, they're hosting Wichita State. That will also be Saturday afternoon. The men's tennis team will be taking on Air Force later in the afternoon in Omaha. The women's basketball team, after a midweek off, will be on the road in Philadelphia to take on the Villanova Wildcats. Big matchup, top half of the standings. That game will be at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. Sunday morning, 11 a.m. at Villanova. The men's tennis team will be at Nebraska. That will be on Sunday. The men's basketball team returns home to face off against the Xavier Musketeers. 7.30 tip, 6 o'clock pregame on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. And the women's road trip continues at D.C. against the Georgetown Hoyas. They'll be battling at 6 p.m. Omaha time. That will be Wednesday night. And then next weekend, Men's and women's tennis will both be on the road. Men's cross country will be on the road as well. And the pink out game against the DePaul Blue Demons. It is a sellout, but it'll be Saturday night, January the 27th. And that'll do it for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of NRG Media Omaha and Creighton University Athletics. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.